episode 59, Alia and Moving, with Tamar Perlman from Tamarim Concierge. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman, advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. Hello and welcome to the Journey to Organization podcast. I'm Rebecca Saltzman and today I have a guest with me. Her name is Tamar Perlman and she works for Tamirim Concierge here in Israel and she helps people make Aliyah and set up their homes when they're moving. Tamar, welcome. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. I'm so glad to have you here. Why don't you tell us how Tamirim got started? Oh, that is a great question. Tamarim started. I'm sorry. It's okay. Tamarim started six years ago when I was helping people do all kinds of things that they couldn't get the time to do and they couldn't get themselves together to do. And they just weren't even in the country in Israel to do. So they needed a bit of help. I made Aliyah 11 years ago from London, but you can hear from my accent. I'm actually Scottish and um, not, uh, not English. And the way we started was someone was making bar mitzvah and they needed help. Someone else was, was making aliyah and they needed some advice and guidance of what to do and how to negotiate the system. And someone else was buying a property and wanted it managed. And Tamarima just evolved into a company from having been doing favors for friends. And it just built and it's built over the years. And it's just turned into something really amazing, working with people from all around the world. It's just been incredible. What do you find is the like your most favorite aspect of of your business? Like, what's your favorite way of helping people? So I love getting requests for things that are a challenge, and I believe me, I've had some challenges over the past few years. Someone wanted me to buy them a car to oh reserve <laughs> to reserve their parking spot, which was an unofficial parking spot in their new apartment in Tel Aviv. So I bought them a car, um, <laughs> which they have. Um, I just love being able to help someone when they can't do it themselves. A really great story just from Pesach this year um, was a family in New York were wanting to send candy to their really good friends who were making a bar mitzvah in the north in Israel, actually in Zichron, and they wanted to be able to share their simcha, but they weren't able to be here with them. And there was the most adorable card from the, from the boy to say, this is the furthest I've ever thrown candy at a bar mitzvah. <laughs> I made that dream happen. I got the candy. I wrote the card by hand and it was sent to the bar mitzvah boy in Zichron in time for his bar mitzvah and everyone was happy. Even the delivery guy was happy. It was just an amazing experience. But what's, what's great is being able to help people in all different ways. I love helping Olim when they can settle in and they can, they can just need that bit of extra help. I had one family who their school bus didn't stop for their son at the bus stop on the first day of term. And he was just so upset and didn't know how to negotiate the system. And I got on the phone to the school and I got the phone, the bus company and I spoke to the bus company and I made sure. And the next morning the bus was waiting at the bus stop for his son. And he just called me to say, thank you. I just couldn't have done this myself. So helping people to move across the world, but also helping with some of the Things are just hard if you don't have the language or you don't have the ability to, to just get it done. And, um, and that's why we say we are your hands in Israel. We will help you get it done. That's awesome. So I also help people make Aliyah, but in a slightly different uh, capacity where I help people just sort of organize their stuff and get ready and bring 
what they what I think that they should bring. And I published an Aliyah guide um, to help people do that. But what do you think uh, people should really be bringing with them to Israel or not be bringing to Israel with them? So that's a question that I've had a lot, just as that's a question I know that you've had a lot. Yeah, I get because, it sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, because houses, apartments in Israel are not really the same size layout that maybe you're used to from the place that you've come from. So there might not be as much space. You might not have a basement. You might not have storage. You might not even have uh, anywhere to put some of your stuff. So really thinking about what you need to bring. You know, maybe it's... Um, family heirlooms, maybe it's, you know, your everyday items that you want maybe for your children so they see some continuity, not everything's like disappeared, but really thinking about those large pieces of furniture, really thinking about electrical appliances, which is a big point and it's definitely something we can talk more about, um, and really thinking about what you, you really need because, like I know you always say, the less you have, the easier it is to keep yourself organized and to exactly. keep keep things flowing, keep things working for you in a space that you might not necessarily know, you know, how long you're going to be in that place. And maybe you're renting to start with. You don't know where your final place is going to be. You don't know how much space you're really going to have. So, you know, bringing a whole lot of stuff to then sort through and chuck, that's not really the most efficient use of, of a container and bringing stuff. And also bringing too much and not having anywhere to store stuff can just be frustrating and, and really difficult. I agree with you 100%. I find that the biggest thing for my clients is that making Aliyah is not like a regular normal move because oftentimes, I mean, normally when you move across the country, you sort of know where you're going. <laughs> it's very, uh, especially if you're American. I mean, I know you're not American, but in America, if you're moving from New York to like Los Angeles, let's say you usually know where you're going to end up. You know what your home looks like. You know what you can take with you. But I find that most people when they're moving to Israel, they're really not sure about what their living situation will be once they arrive after they make Aliyah. Right, absolutely. So I always like to advise people to, uh, if they can figure out where they're moving to, to sort of measure their spaces beforehand so that they could, you know, make a layout in their mind of the furniture they have and really sort of plan that out. But when they don't have that, for example, I didn't have that. I don't know if you had that or not, but we had no idea where we were moving. And we were fortunate we moved to a place that had big rooms, but it was something that was in the back of my mind when I was purchasing stuff to bring with because I knew that no matter where we were going to move to, we would move from someplace bigger than our two-bedroom apartment, like that we were looking for a three- or four-room apartment. And so... I knew that, you know, I was going to bring, I wanted to bring like American beds with me, but I was very nervous that they wouldn't fit in. So what do you usually advise? Like I always advise people to bring beds, especially if they know where they're going to be staying, but uh, it's, it might not be the best practice. I don't know. What do you think? So that is one of the things that we do do at Tmarim. We have done um, going to check out different places for people. If you're not able to come on a pilot trip, if you're not able to check out a place in advance, we have gone into houses. We've searched for houses for people. We've done videos from the house. We've taken pictures. We've taken measurements and sent them so that people have a much better idea. That would fit in with your, with your plan where you can actually start to visualize a bit better of what I will have space for and what I will not have space for. So particularly, for example, you know, washing machines and dryers, the American standard is definitely bigger than the standard European. And for the utility rooms here or the, the, you know, the, the cupboard, the closet, the room off the bathroom, where it might be, 
it's not always big enough. The door frame's not always wide enough to actually <laughs> fit an American machine through the door. So we've done loads of measuring in various different apartments and houses across the country, um, measuring the door, the width of the door frame to see if a machine can actually physically fit. Do you want to hear a funny story? Actually, I have a South African client and they brought their washing machine from South Africa, which is the same electricity. And they uh, measure the door and it fit through the door, but they it didn't it fit through the front door, but it didn't fit through the utility room door. And they had to like so they had to saw off part of the utility room, like um, the whole like door frame just to get oh my goodness. Uh, the, <laughs> the washing machine through. It was a little bit crazy. Um, so. So I always, I always actually tell people not to bring large appliances because also there's issues with warranties here. Like you, yeah. it's hard to get things serviced, but for small appliances, I always tell my clients if they have them to, to bring them with a transformer, especially if they have high level, you know, small kitchen appliances, like high level blenders or mixers or things like that. Do you yeah, have a feeling about that? Yeah, I think that is important to bear in mind. If you, I mean, I'm also uh, helping people coming from Britain and other places in Europe where it is the same power. So for sure, um, they're bringing small appliances. Um, if you have, if you have got a transformer and you can use that, it does make sense to bring what you have. I would always say that if it's something that's relatively new and in good condition, then it's, it's probably a good idea to bring. If it's something that's already getting old. You're not, I mean, not that you can ever predict how long it's going to last, but maybe that's not the most sensible item to bring. Right. Um, of the small appliances, because items, they are expensive. To start buying everything new again can be a huge outlay um, to start from the beginning. So like you said, with the bed, if you bought and it's in good quality, you know, good condition and good quality, then it, and they'll fit and then it's worth bringing. And I think that's where you've got to weigh up for each item you know, how old it is, what condition it's in, and the measurements, whether it's worth even bringing. Right. And the other thing I always tell people is that if it has a clock, you shouldn't bring it. Like if, like a bread machine where it has a timer inside of it, because unless it's the same voltage, because running it on a transformer, the clock won't work properly. Right. That's an interesting one. I've never <laughs> got to the exact specifics, but that is a good thing to bear in mind. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's, particularly true for American appliances. I don't, I guess it would run the same if it was, you know, a European appliance, like with the correct voltage, but the Hertz is different yeah. and it makes the clocks off. And so for something like a bread machine where the timer is key, uh, <laughs> it could be a problem. <laughs> um, okay. So a lot of people want to know um, what should they best, like what's best practice for packing their stuff. Now, I always like to tell people that it's going to be sitting in a container for, you know, a month and it's going to be hot probably. Even if it's cool in the wintertime, it's still going to be hot, you know, on the sea. The ship is hot. It's hot. It's a contained storage unit. So what should, you know, we pack our stuff in? How should we pack that? I always like to tell people to try to use, um, either plastic bins that you buy if you think you're going to store stuff here in advance or just use the uh, regular packing boxes and pack very securely and don't bring things that are like going to go bad or melt like food or I actually had melted candles on my lift. <laughs> it was wow. What do you think? Um, I really agree. The plastic storage bins can be great, but again, you've really got to think about what space you're going to have in your new place um, to use them. If you can then use them for storage when you when you arrive, then that's, you know, two for one, that's great. 
Um, otherwise, like you said, the packing in the regular cartons, the regular you know cardboard boxes, um, seems to be the most efficient use. Um, but you've also really got to think about what you're going to need for the first six weeks or until your container arrives. So I think it all boils down to being organized. If you can manage to have the things that you're going to need separated, bearing in mind, you're going to need some bedding, you're going to need some linen, you're going to need towels, you're going to need maybe even some kitchen pots and pans, cutlery, you know, depending on your setup. Really think about that when before you start packing. Sometimes you hear these stories of the removal men coming in and packing and they've packed up your whole house before you can even like say, hey, I need that for the first six weeks. Don't pack that. I mean, I've had removal men who've from house to house within Israel packed up the remote control for the air conditioning unit. Well, clearly that stays in the house. That doesn't get right. packed. Right. Um, so so really, I always you know, encourage people to pack, to create zones for packing where they're like, making different zones. So whatever's going on the lift, whatever they're taking in their carry-on, whatever is going to be sold, just to separate it. And anything that's not going on the lift, I encourage people to put in a, their its own room where the movers don't have access to, not because you don't trust them, but just because you know you want it to be separated so that it doesn't get packed by accident. I've had uh, clients who have had like um, a bowl full of apples on their on their tables, on their like living room tables and the apples get packed. And when you get to the other side, they're like all moldy and disgusting and they're totally oh, rotten yeah. and it stinks. It's awful. <laughs> they don't think about it. They're not, you know, looking there. You just say to them, pack up everything. So you really have to go through the rooms with like fine tooth combs and see like, you know, what, what really has to go and, and really sort of organize yourself before the movers come so that, you know, things don't get packed up by mistake <laughs> absolutely because there really are quite a few things that you need from all your categories you know from the clothes to the toiletries to the kitchen you know appliances or you know items that you're going to need for the first few weeks right. um, so it's not just a, it's not just a clothes thing it's really you know a whole house thing Right. So in my Aliyah guide, I definitely separate the different stages of Aliyah and what you should bring on each stage. There's like preform lists about clothing and linens and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, it's customizable and it depends on where you're going to. But what I find um, that's different for people making Aliyah versus like, again, moving across the country is the language barrier. And there's so many times that I get questions like, where, you know, because Nefesh Benefesh requires you to put in a mailing address, like where should I forward, like what address should I put down? How do I set up my, you know, cable internet? How, how do I set up like my bills and all this kind of thing? So I know that you handle that. Do you want to tell us about a little bit about how you handle things like that? Sure, absolutely. Um, like you said, there can be a language barrier unless you're lucky enough to be to be moving, speaking Hebrew, which which is great. Um, and even it's just a matter of taking the time, the phone calls to set up the cable, that can all be done so that when you walk into your, your new apartment, your internet's up and running. That might be the most important thing that you need for work. It might be for your children. I don't know what you what, what else, but for some people that's the most important thing um, you need to change all the utilities into your name so that involves meter readings and then contacting water gas electric um, you may need to set up telephones you may need cell phones all of those things can actually be set up so that as soon as you arrive for some things you need a, a two dots a hoot an id number but not for everything some things can be done in advance and these are things that i've done for many people so if you think about moving into, and maybe people don't know, but moving into a rental in Israel, you're moving in with 
nothing. There is no stovetop. There might not even be any light fittings. There's definitely no oven, fridge, and a washing machine if you're getting a standard unfurnished apartment. It, it's empty. It's bare. And we've had people who are making aliyah with four, five, six children who have not wanted to walk in to, to nothing. They've wanted their children and them to have an easy transition. And for them, we have set up, we have bought all their appliances um, through you know, back and forward pictures so they can see exactly what they're choosing and waited in while they were delivered, set up, installed, because in Israel, it's not just the delivery, you then have to have installation as well. But when they walked into their new apartment, the fridge, the oven, the microwave, everything was there in the kitchen. The beds, we ordered furniture for them, were all there. In fact, they even had some bags arrive for us to unpack and make the beds for them and fill the fridge so that the kids could open the fridge and take a piece of fruit and have a drink of, of water and, and chocolate milk. And, and it just made that difference between walking into an empty apartment of, oh my goodness, what are we doing? There's, you know, it's quite a daunting task of setting everything up. And the difference between walking in and feeling much more like you're at home, flowers on the table, mm-hmm. the appliances are set, food in the fridge, and the beds were made. That's great. Um, and it's really just a matter of anything that you need doing, you know, as big or as little. For those people, they wanted everything done and really helped. We bought their school books, we bought the kids' school uniform, uh, literally everything that needed to make that transition easier. And it's like you said, it's all about the lists and the organization. Um, I think it depends on people's personalities as well. I'm sure you've seen that. If you're an organized person, there's a lot more that you can get done. But sometimes it's just too overwhelming. You just can't do it. You can't make the phone calls to the uh, internet company from before you arrive here. You can't necessarily um, order your appliances and have them and then have, have them waiting for you when you come. Some things are important to some people, some things less. And that's why at Tamarim, for example, we, we tailor, we customize whatever you need um, and get that done. That's great. Can I ask you, I want to just go back for one second. Something that you said stuck out of my mind is if you don't have a Tudat Zehuta ID number, what do you do for the services that, you know, you need to set up like a cell phone? Do you just wait? Can you get like, are there options to get like SIM cards, let's say before you even arrive? So you can get SIM cards before you arrive. And that's something we actually help with, for example, for gap year students that we help as well. And there are some companies that you can set up cell phone, um, cell phone numbers without, you can do it with a passport number. So that can be done. I know that as part of your Krita, as part of your arrival package, you are given a SIM card. Sometimes. Which I believe if they sometimes. have enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, which is valid for uh, a defined amount of time until you've got time to go or the ability to go and set up your own. Um, so for cell phones, you can have it set up in advance. Um, it's just cable TV, which requires an ID number. Um, but at the same time, you can still schedule for someone to come and have the beginnings and have all the prices and have the packages and know what you want and, and just ready to make that call as soon as you have your ID number. Got it. So uh, let's switch gears a a little bit and just talk about moving a little bit more in general. What are some of the biggest um, issues that you find that people have just with moving, even if they're moving from, you know, one place in Israel to the next place in Israel? Is it just that they don't know the areas? Is it finding out, you know, how the area works or, or how the local municipality works or what are just some of the biggest overall Aliyah or not Aliyah biggest challenges that you've faced with moving? I think for most people, it's a matter of time. 
Um, we had a family who were moving within um, within a city, but parents, both parents were working, the children were at school and needed obviously the driving to and from, and they needed help with packing up, with the moving, with physically waiting whilst the removal men unpacked at their new home. They were then having some um, renovations done and they weren't home in the day for the painters and the um, bathroom designers to be in and they needed help with that. Um, so sometimes it's a matter of time or not being able to be in two places at one time and trying to maintain a kind of normal-ish life um, day to day, especially if you're working, and you can't just keep taking, you know, days and days off. And sometimes you just, you say, I just want to clone myself. And sometimes you just need an extra pair of hands. That's true. And that could be, you know, any kind of job. I and mean, the family I'm particularly thinking that we helped was moving within a city and really needed um, help to oversee everything that was going on. There was an issue with language. They needed some help with the translating. And then Things are just hard, you know, they wanted pictures of all the meter readings to change the utilities into their name. And sometimes you can phone up and get through straight away. That's unfortunately less likely to happen. And sometimes it takes a few times until you get to the right person and they understand what you need. And then you need to download the right form and then fill out the form and send back the form. And sometimes it is a bit of a process. And there's something that we do often, we know how it works, we know who to call, we know what forms we need, we know what needs to be filled out and we can just get it done quickly and efficiently because we're not doing it for the first time. Right. A hundred percent. That's great. I could see that that could be a great, you know, easing of people's minds when it just, they know that it's getting taken care of properly by someone competent. <laughs> right. And they don't have to do it. Exactly. That's the best part. Um, I always say food tastes better when I don't have to make it. It's like a similar idea. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay. So let's talk about what to sort of pack a little bit more in detail because one of the biggest um, things that I notice when I'm unpacking with a person is that there's a lot of things that we unpack and they're like, why did I bring this? I love and these stories. <laughs> I really want to address that because I feel like so much of that problem comes from worry like worry that I won't have what I need when I get there. So I'll just bring everything, even though it's something I haven't used in years and years, and I probably won't need it ever again, but I'm, maybe it will fit in my new house. So what do you advise people to do in that situation where they're unsure about something? Do you advise them to bring it or do you tell them to pare down? I always think it's a good idea. Like if someone has uh the money to only hire me before or after they move, I always tell them like, you should hire me before because then you'll only pay to move what you actually want to move. But, you know, cause you'll declutter in the process. But what are some of the things that you like you advise people? What are some of the things you've seen people bring that, you know, are like totally unnecessary either in a local move or on Aliyah? Okay, so definitely when making Aliyah, I had a family who actually moved from Scotland, where it is quite cold and it does rain quite a lot of the year. And she had eight winter coats. And <laughs> I just said to her, if you even wear one coat for a few days each year, you'll be doing well here. Like that is definitely not something that you need to that you need to bring. That's and true. she wasn't sure, and she liked her coats, and she ended up bringing. I think she managed. She was she did well, and she cut down to four. And then within that first winter after making Aliyah, she's like, I've not even worn one. Like, wh why did I even bring, why did I even bring four coats? 
So that's that true. was. It does depend on where you live, though, because some areas are colder than other areas. Absolutely, and for sure. If you're in Jerusalem and, and, and various yeah. other places, you will for sure need maybe one. Well, definitely one. Maybe definitely two coats. But not um, eight. eight. Mate, not so sure about. Um, I've had other people who have come from much hotter climates and they've had hundreds and hundreds of pairs of open shoes, sandals, everything open, but actually had no closed shoes because they didn't ever wear closed shoes because it didn't ever really rain. And that was also a big shock. So I think thinking about the weather and the seasons, the place you're coming to is something really important to consider when you're considering what clothes you're bringing with. That's, that's great. Um, also, like, smarter fancier clothes here and maybe not quite the same smarter or fancy that you're used to from where you've come from i mean i for example brought with all kinds of, of hats for wearing on on shabbat for wearing at the weekends and some of them i'm ashamed to say are still sitting in the box and have not been worn as many times as i would have liked and obviously oh now it's been 11 years. <laughs> 11 years i've done really well there's only a couple left there okay. were definitely more so thinking about the community you're going to and your the needs of your lifestyle might actually change more than you more you think not just because of the weather but because of you know what people wear to work in Israel is often quite different to what you might wear to work um in America and Britain wherever you're coming from before you come um do you need to bring do many to bring so many suits I mean again depends on your on your lifestyle it might be something that's just not ties or ties worn as much in Israel definitely not as what you might have so I don't know if that's something that you've helped with the with the clearing out but clothes and seasons weather I think is a huge thing to consider and the same with um had another family who were just in the mentality of going to Costco and stocking up on on everything because they had this huge big basement and now they tried to do the same thing here but there was nowhere to put anything so <laughs> There was no point in bringing rolls and rolls of toilet paper or Ziploc bags or kitchen roll, you know, thick quality kitchen roll, because there was nowhere to put it. Well, so, so I find that when people want to stock up on things like that, it's best if they bring less clothing uh, because then they actually have some empty room in their cupboards. They could always store that. But what I found is that even people who are coming as singles, not as families and who aren't bringing lifts, even after six months or 10 months here, they're like half the clothes I brought are totally useless here or I don't want them or I don't wear them. And people just bring completely useless, useless to them anyways, stuff because they're worried. Right. It's often very hard to be able to picture what it's going to be like and what you're going to need. Um, and that's why I have to say the beauty of, you know, it was really before, just as I was making Aliyah, Facebook was really just starting. I think I joined Facebook the month after I made Aliyah. If I'd have had those resources for the Olim groups, for your group, uh, your Balagan Vigon group, for all these different um, com local community groups, it would have been such an insight into that way of life, what kind of things, support from other people, people ask amazing questions, there's great answers. And I think that's really, if you can access those kind of, uh, those kind of groups, it would be really helpful. Um, yeah, I mean, also, you know, kitchen wares, you can have things for, there's just so much stuff. <laughs> Do you need that more stuff? And kitchens uh, are smaller here. Yes, exactly. That, that's They're the smaller. point. There are many, there's not as many um, cupboards for putting things away. You don't want things lying out. So 100%. there's lots of things, not just the clothes, like you said, the kitchen, the kitchenware, maybe the toys, the games, just trying to furniture. There's another family who brought so much furniture. There's actually no place to walk within the apartment because 
There's, the furniture's so big. It's so big. American furniture, is, but are they American? Yes, they are. Yeah. American furniture is just much bigger. The houses are much bigger. So a lot of people bring like this massive like furniture and it just, it, it really doesn't fit. And it's haval. It's really a shame because it's beautiful, but you could have like sold it in the U.S., made some good money and then bought something here that was more size appropriate. Right. Also, I see that there's sort of European fashions here that things tend to be lighter in color and smaller, whereas American, you know, furniture tends to be bigger, heavier and darker. True. So there's a real difference when you walk into, you know, you see it in different people's apartments and maybe you want to go with the, with the new sort of, as you buy newer things, that sort of European, lighter, smaller, and not bring, having brought everything with. And like you said, it can take up a huge amount of space in your container and you might not actually have anywhere to put it or it's going to take up your whole room. I think that part of the trend for like lighter furnishings here in Israel has to do with sunlight because I feel like um, lighter fabrics get less damaged by the natural sun that comes into mm-hmm. each person's room. Like I know that we have purple chairs that we got here at Ikea and uh, it's only been a little less than four years but they're dining room chairs and they're right next to our, our dining room window. And the ones on the side closest to the window are definitely faded. I have to rotate them. And I mean, I noticed that it's been at least a year that they've been faded and I rotate them, but I think darker colors definitely fade faster. Mm -hmm. So it shows less when you have lighter colors. So you should also um, sort of be aware of like setting up your apartment and organizing within your apartment that, pictures across from from windows can get faded very quickly and furniture that's close to sunlight can also get faded um and it actually wears on the fabric more and can really you know uh affect the integrity of the the piece because you know it wears down which means it wears out faster uh so that's something to consider when you're making aliyah also when deciding on the furniture and stuff like that which i never really i guess thought about or verbalized in a way it's something like i always usually i'm giving these talks like two people and i'm talking you know basically at people but it's nice to have this like two-way dialogue because i think you can sort of verbalize these things that you're not really you you knew but like you never really verbalized before <laughs> you, you actually just reminded me of something else we talked about yeah. clothes we talked about kitchen we talked about furniture but in fact, sometimes bringing, um, people want to know what school supplies to bring. Well, yeah. and, and files or folders or different sizes. The paper actually has holes punched in different places to go yes. into the file. Um, the, the, wall, the plastic document wallets won't fit in the files here. And what I say to people is really not to bring, but to buy here so that your kids have the same as the other kids and it all is compatible with everything else, with the papers they're given at school, with the notebooks. Right. The one exception I would think would be like writing implements. Those I definitely tend to bring over. Um, But the paper and notebooks for sure do not buy that and bring it. Right. That just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem worth it. And obviously if you've got favorite pencil cases and, and, you know, the pens, the pencils that go inside, that's something different. But the the papers, the files, they're, they're all different. (laughs) They're not the same size. The one thing that is um, good, though, is that it's pretty standard from, like, school to school, from year to year, what you need. So there are things that are for, like, Handasa, like a geometry engineering class that that you can pass down from kid to kid if you store it properly. So that's something just to keep in mind as an aside because, you know, I'm big into, like, using things again. And I find that, like, the teachers here are like, ah, throw it out. You'll buy a new one. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to save it from kid to kid. <laughs> and exactly they're like, the same, but the, 
the notebooks you can buy that in a large 10 pack and actually yes. all your children might need the same books so and they're going to need them the same the year the year after so it's really it's really uh, much more cost efficient to buy in a larger pack share it amongst your children for sure and then you've got a uh, couple spares also i find that kids need extras in the middle of the year replacements in the middle of the year uh-huh. well, should they lose something which uh, is not unknown <laughs> <laughs> no do your kids lose things my kids never lose anything um okay so is there anything else that you sort of feel like we should know about either aliyah or moving that we haven't really talked about i know also that you do um you help people who are coming for the gap year uh to seminary or yeshiva and you help set things up for them is there anything that you want to say for those people or just about moving or aliyah in general that we didn't cover Okay, so I would like to say about the gap year students, um, you're limited now generally to one case, one bag that you can, one, you know, one large duffel, but one bag that you can bring. So something that we do very, very often uh, on a big scale for our gap year students coming in is that we have an online dorm store where you can buy everything that you'll need for when you arrive so that it's ready and waiting in your dorm room. You do not need to bring it with. You do not need to bring pillows, a comforter. You do not need to bring sheets and towels, a fan, you, uh, adapters, um, it, uh, wire sockets. You can plug in more than one um, appliance uh, per plug, which are often limited in, uh, in dorm rooms. We can even buy storage solutions. I know you'll like this, Rebecca. Mm-hmm. So those great um, sort of three-drawer or five-drawer storage containers so that everything can be super organized in your small space when you're coming for a year. And you just, you know, if you're bringing one case, you want to be bringing your clothes. You don't have space for all the other stuff. They can be ordered in, in advance and waiting for you um, in your dorm room. So that's been an amazing uh, resource for parents. And then once we've got to know these, uh, these great people and these great students and we've helped them, they come back for birthday gifts, they come back for Hanukkah gifts, they come back for Mishloch Manot, and we have an online store for gifts as well. Uh, but we customize, we personalize um, as much as we can and bringing a smile to people's faces. That's one of the things I really love um, about my job, um, taking gifts. I took a bar mitzvah gift yesterday from a family in America who made a bar mitzvah here, actually in Jerusalem. And then she sent me a picture of the boy so excited to receive this uh, sort of candy plate and balloons. So exciting. Oh, yeah. And um, with the organizing of packing even for a year, that really trying to prioritize what you need and what can be bought there. Um, and it's not so easy for the gap year students to be out and about and buying things for themselves. Um, so that's why parents, or in fact, them themselves can order in advance um, on our store and have it waiting in the room for when they arrive. What happens with the stuff at the end of the year? So that is a great question and there's a few different options. Um, it can either be donated to charity, um, which we can help with. Um, that's, that's quite common. Um, people love to be able to do that. Use it um, as, as they need, but it's often still in relatively good condition and obviously depends on the laundry facilities uh, in your school. Um, that can be donated or it can be passed to friends or family who are coming the following year, um, whether it's the same school or... I can help with whatever people need help with, um, absolutely. Um, and I know for some stuff, it's just left into the general, um, the general school, and then the school takes stuff either to donate it or it's, it's given to where it's needed. I think in Israel, people are, are pretty good at, like you're, you're doing, you know, the recycling right. and getting things to places that they need to be. Um, I had someone who was coming for a summer program, 
and at the end of the summer program like the stipulation was that I would buy all the stuff for them it was all bought through the store and it was delivered to them actually in Netanya into a children's home and at the end of that time it was being donated to the home it had only been used for four weeks and wow. at the children's home absolutely delighted to have some new nearly new like almost new pillows and um and towels and a fan that was bought and, and various other various other things a shabbat lamp i think they had as well and, and they were super excited to have these donations oh that's great um okay so any other just general moving tips aliyah tips that you have for us um, I think a really good thing is to bear in mind that no question is too silly to ask. I mean, obviously, there's forums for questions and you can you can ask or you can search through if you don't want to ask yourself. But sometimes you just think, well, this is so personal to me and I'm not sure if it's just ask. You can ask me. You can ask. I'm sure they can ask you if it's relevant or it's not relevant. Um, and we'll work out a way to get things done. Um, like I said, if I can buy a car for someone. Um, in fact, an amazing story, they weren't sure whether to ask or not ask. There was this guy and coming from America and he was going to be, he wanted to do his law conversion exams and his application and forms had to be in a month before the date of the exam, but he was only arriving a week before the date of the exam. We went to the, to the, the law association, we got his forms for him. We had some couriers back and forward from, from Jerusalem to, to New York and everything was set up for him so that when he arrived, all the documents were in place, he could go and take the exam a week later. Otherwise, he'd have had to wait another six months for the next lot of exams. And it would have just, you know, put off his whole schedule of starting to work and, and everything else. And it wasn't a, a ridiculous ask. It was something that we could do. You know, we, we find a way to get it done for him. That's amazing. There's one last thing I want to talk about, which I feel like we didn't touch on at all, and that is the lift. Now, a lot of families come and they bring a lift or they bring a half a lift, but some people don't have enough stuff to bring a lift. And so sometimes I tell them, just bite the bullet and send it FedEx. And, you know, it'll cost a little bit more than normal to ship like that. But you get three shipments when you make Aliyah that are tax-free. So you could send things in three large boxes if you have uh, things to send. And it doesn't really matter what they are as long as they f fall under the tax-free category. But I always like feel that people are like, should I bring a lift? Should I not bring a lift? What size lift should I bring? Should I bring a 40 foot lift? Should I bring a 20 foot lift? Should I bring a half a lift? Should I just send some boxes? So do you have any, any other guidelines for how to determine what size lift or if you should bring a lift at all and just send yourself a few boxes? So I have had clients who have done all of the question, all, all of the above that you just mentioned. And um, for some people bringing a part container, so some boxes within a shared container, which the shipping company organized has been the most efficient use for them. And um, there was another family who were almost at a 20 foot container, but not quite. And it made sense for them to, to buy some extra things to bring because the cost difference of the shared container versus the whole container and buying the new things was still going to work out at the same price. I think they're definitely good questions for your, your shipping company. Does it make sense to bring things that you're not going to need just because you've got space? Not really. Does it make sense to think about what you might really need that you could buy before you come because you have got space and it's not going to cost you extra? Yes. In that situation, that might be the most you know, sensible way to, to move forward. Um, and I think, you know, thinking about the packing and the how much the shipping companies are able to predict um, 
quite accurately, obviously not 100%, so no one's ever 100% right, um, how much space, you know, looking at a house, how much space it's going to, it's going to take within a container. Um, I'll tell you something. I have learned that almost everybody has a secret stash somewhere in their house, like a box of stuff or a few boxes of stuff that they sort of had like off to the side that when like I give an estimate or a mover gives an estimate, they didn't really see because it was sort of hidden away and they didn't take it into account and, it, you know, adds to the quote. And, you know, we don't mean to as service providers forget that, but sometimes you're not always so forthcoming with showing us exactly what you have. You forgot that it was even there in the first place. <laughs> right. And that's why as much information that you can have will make your, your quotes or your prediction more accurate um, for certain. And I think that's where, you know, everyone is just so personalized. Um, it's hard. To, there's no like one answer fits for everybody. But really thinking about um, what you're coming to at the other side. Um, I've, had, I've, I've helped unpack containers. I've helped unpack shared containers um, in the boiling hot, in the sun in the Tanya. I mean, it was an incredible job that I did, but it was just a 40-foot container. Some was going to an upstairs apartment. Some was going to down. It, was, it just needed a lot of logistics and organization. And we got the right items to the right place, and it was all good. Oh, you've just got so much stuff, it, you, you might just need an extra pair of hands. It's quite overwhelming. <laughs> okay, well, Tamar, thank you so much. This has been so interesting. I actually learned some new things today, so thanks for that. Um, how can everybody reach you? You can find us uh, at tamarimconcierge.com. Um, we have actually have a new website that we just launched two weeks ago. We have a new store for gifts, for dorm packs. If you want to contact me through the website, with pleasure. My number's on there. Happy to take calls, uh, maybe not in the middle of the night, but happy to take calls um, at any other time. Um, yeah, please keep in to mind the time difference from wherever you're calling from. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, and um, questions, happy to answer questions with pleasure, you know, and, and advice that you need um, for your aliyah, for your move, for your gap year student is coming, you want to send it a gift to family, friends that are in Israel, someone making permits. If you even want your itinerary planned for your next trip, I'm happy to help you set that up too. Amazing. Thank you so, so much, Tamar, for speaking with us today. I, uh, I really enjoyed speaking with you. Um, ladies, and for all of you listening out there, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope today was uh, useful and you learned something and it's going to help you with your move or your aliyah. If I can be of any service to you, please reach out to me. Of course, you can leave me a voicemail or send me an email at Rebecca at RebeccaSaltzman.com. And I want you to always remember our usual, uh, Hashem keeps me organized or whatever mantra is working for you this week. I hope that you have a very organized week and I will speak to you all very soon. Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.